Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Phil Tuga of First Fragment, Cathealist, DDT, and many others joins us today. First Fragment is a Canadian technical death metal band that released their second full-length album, Gloire Eternel, on October 29th of 2021 to overwhelmingly positive reception. Phil is a talented multi-instrumentalist, and he continues to raise the bar with each subsequent release. Phil, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for uh, having me over. Thanks for the invitation, man. No, I appreciate it. Um, you're extremely busy. You're in like 55 bands or something crazy. Um, well, not exactly that number, but sometimes it feels, <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah, like you've had you have projects all over the spectrum of of musical genres. So, how do you balance your time and and how do you decide where to go with each one? Uh, I try to focus on one or two at a time. Uh, over a specific part of the year. So, you know, obviously, uh, as you said, you know, the first Fragment record dropped uh, very recently. And, um, you know, since we're entering a, a, a touring cycle, uh, that is when when people will, uh, you know, book us for shows, you know. Since we're entering a new uh, um, touring cycle, obviously this, this, this band is going to be one of the, the the projects I focus on the most for the for the next uh, well for the next few months, and, uh, but I will say the next few years because obviously I, I I can foresee a lot of action um, uh, with this band. Uh, as for the rest, like I said, it's just I focus on uh, one or two bands um, at the time for a specific part of the year, and after that. When I uh, enter a new writing cycle or a recording cycle for a new an, another band, then I, I focus more on that one. And it doesn't mean like the, the 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 previous one I will not come back to, but you know it depends of it depends of what I'm in the mood for. You know, um, these days I've been I've been in the mood for uh, well I've been listening to a lot of epic doom metal, so obviously my creative focus is going into uh, a new band, a new project that is more along the lines of, of this style of music. So I'm not, um, I don't find myself writing a lot of death metal these days, you know, so that's mm-hmm. an example. But yeah, like I said, just to uh, summarize this real quick, the only way I can, I can do it is focus on two bands max for a specific time of, of the year. And after that, when I enter a new cycle, I focus on another band, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes on infinitely, you know? Mm-hmm. So you kind of prioritize based on what you're feeling at that time. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a mix of that. And it's a mix of, you know, like I said, with first fragment, well, we release a new record, so we have to promote it. We have to tour with, uh, and, and, you know, play the songs live and, uh, you know, make a lot of videos and, and uh, just play as uh, live as much as possible. So obviously, uh, that's all according to plan, you know, we're going to focus, all going to focus on this band. But after that, you know, um, once the touring, uh, the album touring, uh, cycle is done, I'm gonna, you know, write new music for Ktilist and hopefully start a touring cycle with this band as well. Or, you know, I have other bands in the works too. Um, you know, for Finibraram, we did an album in, uh, 2019, but it was not, it's it is still unreleased, 
we're kind of waiting for the right time to release it. And, you know, once that is released, we're, that band is also going to enter a touring cycle as well. So I'll, I'll be focusing on that, on that band as well. But as far as writing go, like I said, it's, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's pretty much like, I don't want to force anything. It's like, you know, if I, if I, if I, if I'm like, yeah, it's been a while since I've released an album with this band, but I'm not really feeling writing death metal. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force it just because there's like a, a, a waiting time. It's just, you know, because that will, you will hear it in the music, you know, everything has to come as, as natural as possible. And right now, mm-hmm. when it comes to writing in general, what comes to me naturally is, is writing more simple music. So, yeah. Interesting. So do you get, um, I don't want to say it this way, but do you kind of get tired of writing such technical music sometime? Is that part of the reason why you bounce back and forth? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a robot, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, in 2019, um, I left, you know, I left like three bands all at once because mm-hmm. like, not that there's anything like, um, wrong with any of the people in these bands. Like they're still all my friends, like the guys in Serox and, and, uh, Zalatri and, um, uh, Ikipoys, you know, these band, these guys are all my good friends, you know? So when I left these bands and you know, pretty much all at the same time, well, actually in Zalatri, I left in 2018, I don't <laughs> get everything started to get all the dates confused but i'll blame um, the lockdowns these three bands um you know they played um very demanding music and it was like you know i kind of prefer having only one band um to create like such demanding music because it mm-hmm. takes so much time and patience um to you know record that write that and perform that so it's I guess, you know, it was a little bit of that getting a a little exhausted mentally. Mm -hmm. So it just to balance, just helps balance balance things out. So I love these bands just to have only one project that focuses on really uh, complex yet catchy music. Like for Sragment, it's it's probably better because that band alone, that record we did alone is worth like two or three albums in terms of hours uh, that I have to put in, you know, um, to just to to nail the material and, and record it. Like I said, it's it, it was a very time-consuming effort, and I don't think I could have done it um, had I still been involved in other technical, like, oriented music, you know, just because of the sheer energy not just the physical aspect of it but the mental aspect of it yeah so well, you're keeping track of so many notes and so much um content that you have to put in such a small amount of yeah. time well yeah that's very that's that's a very good point you raise and you know it actually came to a point i actually i didn't do that all the time but i'll take an example with uh my one of my former bands a which is more like a old school side of technical death metal more like um you know the more like weird aspects of emulation and monstrosity that that kind of stuff you know but it's still very a lot of memorization you have to do because there's a lot of counterpoint the last the we did three records the last two records i recorded the album by sight reading because i didn't memorize the album i just recorded and i had i was just like you know playing along the click 
and the, the, the drums and I had the tabs in front of me and I just recorded it like a, a classical musician would do like in an orchestra that, you know, they're playing like, you know, an orchestra and they have like this, the, the sheet music in front of I, I, I had to do mm-hmm. that because it's like, fortunately I, I did like five years of like high school, like in, in my orchestra. So I was used to being able to sight read, but I'm, that saved me because there was so much to do uh, in, the, in those, the time frame of both these albums that I had no choice to do that because I, I didn't have the actual the time to memorize it. You know, it was a good challenge, but you know, like I said, it's not something I want to necessarily do all the time. So, and with first fragment, um, I didn't want to do that either. You know, I wanted to really like, there's a, a lot of improvisation actually involved in, in the, like with first fragment, all the arrangements were uh, written in advance, but during the recording, I rewrote um, a lot of the stuff, and it, it did not involve tabs or anything like that. I just, you know, I have the, the chord progression underneath. I know exactly what I'm doing, but I just ended up articulating the, the riffs in a different, much different way than I had originally planned, and that's something um, that. I think is one of the strengths of the album because it doesn't, it kind of makes the album less mechanical, you know, mm-hmm. and less uh, predictable, I guess uh, you could say that. And that's even though the album was really challenging to, um, to, to, re- to record, there was a lot of fun involved in, because of that, that aspect in that little, you know, I have, a, I have something in mind, a melody in my head, but the actual um, articulation of it and all the stuff that, that I had is is improvised and adds a little bit of that magic. So in a way, as much of a, of a grueling process it was, it didn't feel necessarily mentally draining. And so um, I don't think, so coming back to what I said before, I don't think I would have this much fun had I had the weight of other really like demanding projects waiting like like on the waiting line on the uh, behind, like you know waiting to be recorded after that or just having so much to do all uh, all at once so it kind of freed me a little bit so i could just really focus on that and actually have fun doing it you know yeah you don't want to spread yourself too thin yeah yeah but um <clears throat> something i was reading online and i just want to pull up the website quickly uh just because i don't want to screw things up here so looking at um where are we first fragment here it says on the latest album you did like the lead guitars, rhythm, and nylon guitars. Are you using three separate guitars for the album? Um, so I think I. So for the rhythms, I usually mostly use my Schecter. I did some overdubs with uh, the Ibanez. Um, also did a few solos with Ibanez as well. Uh, most of the solos were actually with the Schecter. Um, classical guitars, I used, didn't use my classical guitar, I used, uh, uh, classical guitar, the guy that makes her album, I borrowed his classical guitar. Um, and I think I did some, a clean guitar track with, uh, my Jackson. So four guitars in total. Jesus. Yeah, and, it was, uh, I mean, it was 
it was fine. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was it was fine. Classical guitars, I'm not used to it that much. I'm I consider myself kind of a an imposter because I don't play with my fingers. Like uh, you know, Ellie, uh, Greg from Elegion, um, that guy is that guy plays flamenco classical guitar for real, you know, with his fingers and I kinda joked around this, and you know, he, he wrote to me and said, Hey man, I love your stuff. And it's like, thanks, man, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could play like you. It's just, but I mean, if it works, it works. If it sounds good, it sounds good. It's just like I'm playing with a pick, but it's it yeah. has it has its it's you know it's it's very direct sounding. It's not like the I made the arrangements so I could play with with a pick. You know, if I could play with the with my fingers, though, oh man, the possibilities um, we could like the possibilities would open up even more with the like the, the flamenco arrangements of the band. Uh, we've had them since the, like forever, you know, like even mm-hmm. as far back as 20, um, 2007. Uh, I think with, I think I mentioned this a while back, this this band called Imperizo. I'm so sorry if I, if the guys are listening to this interview and I'm butchering the uh, the band name, I'm very sorry about that. Uh, je vous aime beaucoup, sorry, they're French, so... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, they're, they're, I really respect that band. Um, but I think these guys and I, and, and not I, I mean, first fragment, um, were probably among the first attack that bands to have like flamenco influences. Now, I think the Terran practice um, had some some of them too. And uh, I think Gorod on one song on Leaning Vision. But I think. You know, we we've had that forever, and you know, obviously, we wanted to push that further on, you know, on the forefront, on the, um, you know, on the new record, and uh, yeah, it's 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 it was a, a big challenge that you know just to record that on my own, but people seem to like that aspect a lot, so we want to definitely push that further, uh, you know, even even more on the next few records. We'll see, maybe, hey, maybe uh, all. An instrumental like EP or something with just like flamenco uh, reg- uh, songs. That would be. I, I was toying with this idea for a while. Maybe, maybe a lot. Cool. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, who knows? <laughs> be cool. I think. But, so yeah. one thing I want to touch on quickly is that you said that you wish you could play like him, but it's interesting because there are so many people trying to reach your level of complexity. It's it's incredible. It, it's interesting to see somebody who's already at such a high level say they want to get better. Oh yeah, dude. Um, just as I was finishing up, well, actually, I retracted the album like three times, but the second time, um, I actually sought out lessons again. For you know, I've been Ooh. playing since you know I'm twenty, uh, not twenty nine. I I just turned thirty. Still getting used to that. Happy <laughs> uh, birthday! <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks. Um, so I turned a thirty recently. I started when I was ten. I took, you know, private lessons for a while. But then I was, you know, obviously everything came from me, from myself, like just like teaching myself, like the when it comes to like my my style in general. But it came to a point. It's like, yeah, you know, it's you need something else. You know, you need some guy that's gonna coach you and teach you new things and hold you accountable. And I don't. I think everyone needs that, regardless of your level, regardless of how many years of, uh, you've been playing. So I found a, a suitable mentor that helped me, um, you know, iron out some of the stuff I was working on, and then uh, helped me 
um, find new ideas, you know, from other styles of music. And uh, that helped me a lot too. So I'm always, that just gives you an idea. Like I'm always, like I, I've been teaching teaching people guitar um, for a year now. And right. I'm, st I'm still considering taking lessons from other people too, because there's always the next level, you know, there's always like this new technique I want to, I want to explore or this, you know, I want to improve uh, my improvisation further. I want to improve uh, my uh, knowledge of theory further. I'm not a theory expert, but I, I, I do think um, it, it becomes a great tool. You know, um, I, I went from being just writing stuff from ear, you know, the old first fragment stuff, you know, it's very neoclassical sounding people, you know, have been asking me you, how many years have you studied uh, musical, you know, classical um, music? I was like zero. I just went by here, you know, just like listening to, to like various bands, just taking all the influence, you know, and, um, but as years went on, you know, getting more knowledge with theory that kind of helped my, my songwriting get better. And it's like, what if I if I can get even better? What if I can write even better songs if I learn this and this? So I'm always gonna want to like. There's always gonna be someone uh, like above me, like offering me something that could just add to my arsenal. So it's and you know that's just. Um, I think that's how music. Um, that's the beauty of music. There's never like. Sky is the limit. Actually, the sky is in the limit. It's there's no limit, really. Exactly, uh, and then you can change your sounds. It doesn't mean it, you don't necessarily have to get better. You just bring different um, inspirations, different techniques yeah. into the the music itself. Yeah, and it's the same. This the it's the it's why I'm a music junkie too. You know, it's, I, I I discover new bands all the time, newer bands, and also older bands that I've never heard before, and it just every time it's like like i learned something new from these bands and it, it inspires me so so i guess you kind of like this thing where you just assume everybody knows something that you don't yeah yeah <laughs> you nailed it man it's like <laughs> exactly that's ex that's such a, a beautiful way to put it man because it's like you listen to a band they kind of offer you a new perspective on things and and I, I get obsessive with certain certain these bands. I want to understand them, like, regardless of the style of music. Like, I want I want to understand why they do that and why they do this. And I get really passionate, and it's like it it, it, it inspires me. So, you know, Greg was just an example amongst uh, many other uh, musicians, old and new alike. It's just there's just like so much inspiration to draw any everywhere. It's like it's it's it, it would be a shame to just become jaded and just just be like oh everything's shit i'm fine i'll just stick to my guns and yeah sticking your guns is important but there's always there's so many like amazing people out there playing sick music it's like how can you not like like how can you resist tuning in and just like appreciating everything that's being done all around it's just after that, it just inspires you, and yeah, it's it's for so for me, it's yeah, I, I do. Uh, you know, when somebody writes me and say hey, you're a big inspiration of mine, it's like 
I, I'm flattered because I'm the same way when I talk to my my own musical idols, like your big inspiration. I mean, like recently I sent a, a, a message to, I mean, I probably, they won't, pro probably will never see that message, but I sent a message to Jason Becker. It's like, listen, I have this 19 minute song on the Relayless record and you and Marty Freeman like really inspired the song. I probably will not be your style of music, but please listen to it. <laughs> it really, it's like, please listen to it. It's like, it's like it's, yeah, I seem like a fanboy, but it's like, hey, you know, that song was just a big inspiration. Um, like, you know, obviously beyond like the the leads in there, like just the, the way it was, like the passion I put in it and uh, like the, the, the arrangements in it, you know. So I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still like a, a heart, a, a metal fan, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it shows, I mean, you have, you have projects all over the spectrum. Yeah. And the further, the further, you know, the more I get older, the, the, the more I want to explore, you know, um, mm -hmm. various, uh, genres out there and the niches of, how do you say that, that word in English niche? Niche. niche works yep yeah yeah okay but yeah get you get my you get my drift man it's like definitely so much good stuff out there and it's it's it, it just you just feed on it and it gives you life you know obviously we all get moments where we're like uh you know i'm kind of i'm kind of want to tune out of everything yep it just yeah it happens to to the best of us man but after a while you know you get you get out of that zone and you tune in again to your environment and what's going on in the scene right now. And, uh, or you just listen to some classics, you know, and it's like, it gets, gets, gets me going, you know? Yeah. It's cool that you search in so many different places for inspiration and not just look back at the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. I, um, it's really actually easy to fall back into that pattern. Um, cause there's, there's always going to be these, these certain records I always fall back into, um you know because it's kind of a comfort zone um i do remember um when we were you know making the first fragment record i did actually step out of my comfort zone um listening to a lot more of certain albums i've kind of neglected like certain classic albums that i kind of you know I've, it's no secret i'm a big shrapnel records fan um but i've always neglected the the non-neoclassical albums released by that label <laughs> and like listening to like really like listening to michael lee firkin's debut album and uh like some of greg al's albums like the more like fusion type stuff i'm so glad i i jumped back into that stuff because it led me to you know you know, obviously Richie Codeson um, and Joy Tafola's second album. I always loved this this record, but it kind of made me appreciate it even more. And then going, you know, um, going through the motions and discovering other albums inspired by these albums and up to the current day. And it inspired me to um, include more swing elements in our music, you know, uh, a little bit of, a, of that stuff. And it's it kind of it kind of helped diversify the album a bit rather than making a pure 
obviously it's still you know a very you know we call ourselves extreme neoclassical metal but there's a layer of that that stuff i mentioned the the swing um Mm -hmm. almost funk stuff that that came from that it's just kind of stepping out of my uh comfort zone and you know oh no it's not it's not just out of the sun and maximum security by michael pine and um project driver or, or mom's team or cackle funny there's like other kind of stuff that's like it's like i want to understand it i want to understand it so i can like be inspired to come up with more interesting grooves and you know diversify the sound a bit and from that point on it's like well i just realized there's a lot of newer musicians out there that kind of have the same background as the these records i just mentioned but kind of modernized it and made it even crazier and so that kind of actually inspired me to um look up and try to understand like newer guitar um new guitar techniques and and, and approaches so who knows you know that the next first fragment record is probably even going to be crazier just because of that you know so it's um going back to what you said i think it's it's good to always you know refer back to your classics but i think ultimately kind of like escaping from your usual listening patterns as a musician just getting out of you know step out of your comfort zone a little bit is gonna um only be gonna be beneficial in the long run you know it's also refreshing to have a different sound and um kind of go a different direction for a little while it is yeah it is uh, you also grew up in a musical family oh yeah yeah so, so. Was, um you started playing guitar you said when you were 10 but uh, i remember reading that like your dad started ddt i think but you grew up around music how was that like what was that like oh i mean it's i'm glad i'm i'm obviously super thankful about that it's uh obviously discovered a, a a lot of stuff on my own but being shoved into that so early in my life you know it really helped along the process um being you know my father and my two uncles they're when you think about it they're they're amongst like the the how could i say the pioneers of, of Quebec metal mm-hmm. were one of the first ones to do it, you know, way back in the late seventies. And obviously that inspired me a lot. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not exactly playing the same style of music as them, but it's somewhat close in, I guess the attitude behind it. Um, and obviously um, my father being, a lifelong heavy metal fan, you know, he, he's the one that brought me to my first metal concert. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, before that, I was more lean, um, more so into punk music, but that show was really, it opened the floodgates, you know. Which, um, he showed me, the he, he had shown me Judas Priest before I seen him live, you know, and I was very... I was obsessed by that DVD he showed me. It was like I remember it, it was we were on vacation and he put um, CDR or DVDR rather. Mm-hmm. So and it's just like what the what is this? What the hell, man? It's, it's 
the craziest, craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And uh, like see, seeing that live was just, I was like, oh, this is it, you know. And still today, you know, sometimes I find a new band and I send them to, to him. It's like, hey, listen to that. And uh, yeah, it's just, we still like show each other music and stuff. That's pretty cool. My mom was uh, was kind of a, before meeting my father, she was kind of a, a prog rock snob. She hated metal like in the 70s and stuff. And, 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 and when the 80s hit, when metal became a thing, she was like, nah, fuck, fuck, fuck metal, you know? And she she knows all these prog rock bands. And um, one night I remember she, her and I, um, we sat um, on like, we had a, a t- the TV and there was YouTube on it. And she showed me like, some bands i've never heard before like really obscure prog rock bands from 70s and it's like where are you where are you like where is this coming from all of a sudden then <laughs> yeah like i said she wasn't in metal before my father um when she before she met my father she my father kind of convert converted her kind of how he converted me because uh, when i was into punk music like i i like maybe three metal bands but that was it. I was like, I don't care about metal, you know, but it took like the right bit, certain bands to really like hook me, you know, Judas Priest was one, one of them. Yep. I find as, as long as, as soon as you find something to latch onto, you just dive down the rabbit hole. Oh yeah, dude. The same thing happens to me with specific bands. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I look at the records, like, I can't get into this, but there's like one song. It's like, oh, this song is interesting. And I keep listening to it. And it's like, well, I want to listen to the rest of the record. And, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa! This, this record is actually really good. It's like, whoa! This record is like a masterpiece. It's like, it's weird, man. It's there's records like that that kind of hit you, gra- uh, like grab you on first lesson. But there's so, so, so there, so, certain genres or certain records that it takes a while, you know. And, yeah, that was my experience with extreme metal in general. Like, I remember hearing like Aborted and Behemoth. I'm like, fuck, this is too much. And mm-hmm. then over time, I just started hearing songs that i really enjoy different parts like different aspects of the song and then all of a sudden i'm just like i can't get enough yeah especially with extreme metal that the same happened to me too um i was kind of you know i think i was 15 you know it was like a really important period in my life you know musically speaking um it just i was exposed to a lot of music back then because you know youtube and um, all of my friends were listening to all kinds of bands. I don't didn't have that many metal metalized friends back then. A lot, a very diversified circle of friends, but not a lot of them were listening to metal. And the stuff they were showing me, I did not like it. You know, so and especially when we came to extreme metal, and it took the right band for me. It was Morbid Angel. It took the right, the right uh, moment. I was just at night just like scrolling around and, you know, and yeah, hearing Chapel of Ghouls by Morbid Angel, like played live in 89, that did it for me. It's like, this is way better than the stuff people show me that was extreme metal. Cause I was kind of like an elitist. I was like, everything that doesn't have like, you know, song vocals like Judas Priest or Maiden or Saxon or like it's garbage, you know, but mm-hmm. 
But then I heard more bands. I was like, whoa. Like, and from now on, everything clicked. Every time I heard a band that I had growled vocals, I didn't turn it away. I was like, whoa, listen, let's listen to that, you know? I also think seeing it live uh, really helps because you actually see what the musicians are doing. Whereas if you just listen to it on a record and coming from somebody who doesn't really have a ma musical background, I think I missed out on hearing a lot of the positive aspects of the music until I started going to shows and I was like, holy shit, like these guys are super talented. Yeah. Well, I think with Morbid Angel, it was, uh, so I, I did see, see them live in, in 2011, but you know, like I said, it, um, YouTube was my only source of like being exposed to a, a, a live performance. But I think the way the footage was put together and the chaos in the crowd, the chaos on stage, the musicians, not necessarily playing flawlessly, but just with so much aggression and so much like, it's like, it's like pure sensory. Oil. It's like, I want to be part of that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's exciting. It's, it's exciting. It's like, it's like completely, completely new feeling. Obviously from there, you know, I've discovered Cryptopsy, um, um, bands like Cryptopsy, uh, and then Possessed and, uh, no more. When I heard Tech Death for the first time, I loved it immediately. That was the exact opposite. Who was your first Tech Death band that you heard? Spawn of Possession. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, first I, time I, I heard Tech Death, I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> uh, I, I, that was the same age. I was 15, I think. And I loved it immediately almost because, you know, that was at the, when First Fragment formed, I was not even into Tech Death. Um, I just, I got in. I got to know Gabriel, much older, a musician much older than me, who we've been playing the style for much longer than I did. And he's like, hey, I want to have a, a neoclassical shredder in my in my my new project. And and then he showed me Spawn of Position. It's like you know something like that. Mm -hmm. And he showed me, you know, he, he asked me if I knew Cryptopsy, and I said, Yeah, I love Cryptopsy. It's like, well, yeah, no, Cryptopsy has kind of a like on non soval they have a neoclassical influence a little bit. And I was like. Yeah, I kind of see it, but at the time, my my ear wasn't as developed, you know. But hearing like Nick uh, position and then he showed me Necrophagist, and it's like I I understand it because I've 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 been an Angry Monster fan since way before that, and hearing like that neoclassical aspects, like I can recognize that. I can actually. Like I hear the the uh, that's like that was an Ingvi Malmsteen lick right there, and he's like I I'm he he, he was the opposite he didn't, he didn't actually know Ingvi Malmsteen that much, so I was like mm. there was like a, a mutual thing going on. It's like well you know I I I hear some of what I want to do in that style of music, and you know you hear some of the stuff you want to do in that those, those are older bands. So it's like for me it's like if you want to have like that kind of soloing, you know it's it's like it's kind of a match match made in heaven. And that's, that's what form for fragment is just two musicians, a completely different generation, completely different age, completely different musical background, just getting together. And it just, we just made it work somehow, you know, and that, that was at the same time I gave away to tech that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it also brings back to your point about um, like, fresh perspectives like uh yeah. you being a newer musician whereas you're working with somebody who's already been in the game quite a mm -hmm. bit longer than you oh yeah mm -hmm. 
And that was that it was great because we kind of influenced each other in that way, you know. Um, so we had another band called Senseless Shell, and Senseless Shell uh, was a much more extreme version of First Fragment. And these two bands eventually fused because after a few months, he asked me to replace the guitarist in Senseless Shell. And then um, the, it was like no point in having two bands with the same people in it. So it's just the band's form of infused together and the songs he had for that band was much more extreme. And I was like, wow, this, this is really inspiring and, and stuff. And so that made me want to write music like that uh, after, uh, uh, after a while of jamming together and, and, you know, demoing songs. So, and then I started putting more neoclassical touches into it and that inspired him to put even more neoclassical aspects in his own compositions as well so we had my compositions and his compositions that that's reflected more so on on uh design the 2016 album but you know that record is actually really old like you know it came out i say that like the time it was released in 2016 but like we had a lot of that stuff written in 2018 28 29 2010 you know it's it's really old So. It was during that time of mutual inspiration, you know, having a different perspective. Mm -hmm. What took so long from the time you guys were doing the music uh, to the time you released it? Well, so, you know, just uh, just going to do a quick uh, recap. So we formed into 27, right? Uh, 28, we, uh, we recorded our first demo. It was split into two separate releases, end of 28 and 29. Um, 2009, sorry, I keep saying 2029. 20, 20, <laughs> 2008 and 2009, like, sorry. Um, and yeah, so from there in uh, 2009, we decided to, re to record the Afterthought Ecstasy, which was three songs from the demos plus new material which showed more of that, a little bit of a more, th those were the, my first um, contributions to the band as a songwriter. So you have the, that little songs like Paradox, All Subjugation, who has a more like really intense approach, but still has kind of a new classical flair. And right after that, in 20, um, 2010, uh, we started writing music for design. You know, we didn't even, we didn't, haven't released the EP yet. We we're already writing music for that release. And, you know, we found a drummer, we found a bass player because after before that, the band was a trio, you know, we had a drum machine and uh, we had a curse, man, for like the first three years of the band, we just played to a, a drum machine, all of our demos and the EP was with that. But, you know, finding a drummer, it's like, okay, well, we're going to push the band in a, in a more intense direction with a drummer. So I wrote half of my contributions to the, the album design in 2010. So that was a really important year. And before, after that, we released the EP. But by then, it was already old news because, you know, we we had it recorded a year before. Um, it was done with a drum machine. It wasn't even done with the, the actual lineup. So it was just release it. And, like, some for some reason, people really, really like the album uh, slash EP to the point that I still I still hear new bands today that definitely it sounds like they, they listen to that EP a lot. 
Um, That's cool to see yeah. your uh, your music become inspirations for other people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I hear it immediately. You know, it's like, oh, that's fucking cool. You know, um, and so we did shows. The album was mostly written, but uh, you know, we did some rearranging here and here sometimes. But it was mostly all written. You know, so by the time we decided, it's like, listen, let's just wrap this up and like record it you know in 2013 you know that was the year we started writing this uh not writing recording i recorded my parts in 2013 and it came out in 2016 man because one uh a drummer phil boucher he got offered to play in beyond creation so i was like i can't be in both at the same time it's not gonna work mm -hmm. so phil boucher and i we still had ktlist that's my other main band which was also an equally important part of, of my musical career. But we still had that, but he, he couldn't be in First Fragment anymore. So like it kind of put on hold on the recording. We had to find a drummer that took a while and, you know, recording some, some bass parts later on that took a while too. Um, it dragged on, but eventually we found a, a Troy from Severed Savior. He did the, he did the record. Um, so that was in 2015 we wrapped up the recording we sent out the masters to our label unique leader you know unique leader signed us because they wanted to hear this album with troy of severed savior on the on, on drums and they wanted to hear that they, they want to release the record and you know they they were the only offer we had actually on the table really so you know we sent the masters to them but it took took a while there was there were problems with uh the layout for the album and it dragged on and because of that we could not meet the deadline so instead of coming out in 2015 it came out like way later in 2016 so there's a lot of stuff that you know could have been avoided but ultimately you know it is what it is you know and i don't regret it uh because in 2016 it was it was kind of a really cool year. I got to release that record. I got to release the Ktilis record also, and uh, another record with Zalotri. So it was a really, really good productive year. A lot of, of, of cool shows happened during that time. So it's all good, you know. But like that record took so long to, to do, and um, it was fun, but you kind of hear it in the composition. It's still a fun record, but. You kind of hear like some jarring differences in, in the songwriting because some songs were written back way back in 27, uh, 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. Some songs in uh, 2010. Some of Gabriel's contributions go back way back to 24, uh, 2004 even. So it's it's really old, you know. It's, uh, but you know, you got a new record, Gloire um, Eternel. Uh, there's only two old songs. All the rest was were written in the span of like the Shire of the End was composed in 2016, the same time that Zen was released. But uh, otherwise, I wrote them much later, almost kind of the same like period of time. So I guess it helps. It adds a little bit of that. It's more. What's the word? Probably. It's it's more consistent. Like mm. it's with like from one song to the other. It's, it's, I think it's a little bit more focused in, in, in its direction, in the, like the musical identity. 
like that we want to put forth, you know, the whole like. And I think somebody with your musical appetite, like, because that first album was written over such a long period of time, you could easily tell the differences. Whereas if you throw everything together a little bit closer, looks or sounds a little bit more cohesive. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, cohesive. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, said that Dazen was not cohesive and I agree. Um, I mean, I did not agree back then because, you know, it's like, shut the fuck up. I made, <laughs> I, made, I like, I put so much time and effort into that record. You, you, like your opinion is garbage. I don't want to hear it. But one side of me is like, you know, they're kind of right. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you're at a level that you can look back and you're humble enough to be like, okay, this is where I fucked up. This is oh, where yeah. I needed to go. And clearly you've progressed or else this album would have been the same. Yeah, exactly. And even with our new record, it's like, I, I still listen to it. I, I enjoy it a lot. And mm -hmm. you know, I still like listen to some bits like, uh, maybe I could play that differently. Or maybe I could have did, done that differently. And, you know, it's that's I think that's the right attitude because it opens up um, new avenues and like uh, exploring, you know, your own musical uh, influences and trying to like uh, improve yourself as a, as a musician songwriter. So I think I'm positive that our next record is probably going to be even better than this one because I know it's exactly. be interesting. Are yeah. you planning on incorporating any, I, I guess we shouldn't talk new music necessarily, but do you think you might incorporate uh, some more instruments? Like you also play uh, bass and keyboards. Yeah. Um, well, my, my bass playing is sadly very rusty. Um, my, you know, I, last time I played bass on a record was on, on the Cadillus record. Um, long story short, we, Cadillus, first time I had a curse with drummers, Cadillus had a, a, a curse mm -hmm. with bass players. Cause here's the thing with Cadillus, when I formed it in 2010, it was kind of like out of anger. It's like not out of anger, but it's like, it was kind of, I kind of had the love and hate relationship with the musical scene at the time because i was like really a like edgy teenager and i was like part of me was like i want to make a death metal band that doesn't sound like any death metal band from quebec and like and i was like out of spite you know like that really juvenile mentality and just but i mean at the same time it's good because that's when music is born out of spite it kind of adds a, like a flair to it you know mm -hmm. So I was like, I want this, I want this, 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 this band to sound like, you know, some, some weird bastard child of Swedish, Finnish and American death metal from back then with some doom parts. And, you know, and I knew that it would be difficult to find musicians that were into that style, but I, I was not prepared the, to, uh, to the fact that it would take me six years to find a bass player. <laughs> yeah, so, six years is quite some time. Yeah, so there's, yeah, so this this is where I told myself, uh, okay. <laughs> it's like, I, I remember two of my, my friends wanted to audition for to the band, for uh, for the bass spot in, in the band, but they were like purely, like more like into tech debt. Mm -hmm. And when we were jamming, it, it it felt that way, you know, when we were in a, I remember we auditioned a bass player and we were in a, in the, in the jam room and just, just playing just filthy riffs and just, you know, feeling out the riffs and banging. And the, the bass player was in, insanely talented, like doing like all kinds of crazy tapping stuff, but he was like, that's it. There's just, there's no tapping in Cadillus, you know, 
you yeah. like even like yeah just um i gave, I gave him the baseline but you, i told him like you can re you can re-adapt it in a, in a way that fits the music and he was there with his like with, with his charts you know just playing stuff it's like dude you can't approach t-list like it's a tech that band it's just it's just like like total weird filthy almost sloppy but not really sloppy riffs and it's just mm-hmm. and finding a bass player that kind of had a little bit of between two worlds i said in an interview that in death metal right now there's death metal and there's death metal uh, <laughs> i'm not sure if that i know people listening to the to the podcast will not see me doing the gesture the quote <laughs> uh, but a quote but it's like i'll just say this like i don't think people into first fragment or arcspire will go see a band like grave miasma or uh, incantation or uh some a band like that and i i don't think a fan of mortician will go see um in fairy you know what i mean <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like death metal different scenes and it, different, different scenes styles. within death metal kind of like me i wanted to find a bass player that kind of was part of both add sufficient technical um like um capability yeah capabilities but at the same time you know didn't approach it like a, a tech that band and so it was Antoine who we found. Antoine is one of my best friends. Um, coming back to what you said, um, what made it made it challenging is because the bass I played on a record, which he had to you know basically learn and eventually re- recreate in his own playing. You know what I said about co- combining both of these mentalities mm-hmm. my bass playing in that in that album can reflect that there's some bits on the album where the bass is just played with a pick just playing the root note like really very like simple you could play with your eyes you know you could play blindfolded you know uh, and then there's some other riffs where i literally had to you know just play some crazy like slap and popping stuff because I, I was like, I want to have, I want to have really, like this kind of riffing, but with, like, bass that kind of kind of reminds me a little bit of Cryptopsy or Violent Dirge or Atheist, and like really like have have a percussive, um, bass style that you kind of associate with more technical bands. So it was kind of like a bridge a bridge between two worlds, and you know, like I said, finding a bass player that kind of wanted to implement that um those two uh approaches to music you know to death metal especially was difficult and i think when it comes to bass having that approach i guess fits in ktilis but probably not as much in 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 another band so it's probably why I likely will not play bass for other bands because hmm. the music in Kitalis is very uh, specific. And I don't think that that aspect to that approach would necessarily fit with all kinds of bands. And I'm honestly, I'm not 
that good at base. It kind of made it work for Ktilist. Um I guess it, because especially the um, stressful aspect of it, because I, I was in an extremely stressful rush, kind of kind of added a little bit of that that extra juice, you know, mm -hmm. that I needed. Um, but yeah, um, with the the new first fragment record, I actually when I write them the songs, I come up with all the arrangements: so bass, drums, guitars. I write all the bass. So what does what Fares does? He, he basically takes what I write and he, he just makes the bass lines ten times better. But um, a lot of the stuff I I write is just like like I did with Tila's root notes and some crazy slap and popping stuff. So when Forrest, he saw my arrangements, like, dude, you're adding a lot of slap and, and, and popping in there. I'm like, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to combine that with fretless bass playing. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, that's it. Yeah. So, and he just like took the arrangement. He just made them like a billion times better. And it just, yeah, I couldn't have done that. You know, uh, I could, I could like write down the ideas, but playing them and just like improving them. And then, well, actually the word improve is not, it's not really appropriate. I think he did not improve them. He played them in a way that I couldn't think it was physically doable. Like when I saw mm -hmm. his, his bass tabs, his final bass tab, I was like, no. No way you're playing that. No way. <laughs> no way. It's like there's traces of what I've written, but it's like it's like reinterpreted in a way. I was like, what? It's like it's like a weird translation, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, it's like I I you know, it's weird, you know. <laughs> it's like it completely it blew my mind. It's just that's all I'll say, you know. So with uh, the first fragment, then you uh you kind of take charge and um push the band in a specific direction, but you kind of everyone has their own creative freedom within the band as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. You also do backing vocals for first fragment, don't you? Yeah. So you... I originally thought you were the main vocalist. And then um, when I was reading about you, I was like, Oh, he's backing vocals. Um, do you have any involvement in writing the lyrics? Uh, nope. That's all they have. No. I gave him free reign on that. It's, uh, it's better. It's just, uh, he's much better than me in writing French lyrics. Mm -hmm. It really adds to, to the music of the band. You know, uh, some people will say I could do it without the vocals, but then ask any French fan of first fragment, they will tell you, no, man, the, the vocals are like, if you understand the lyrics, it's like, you have no idea how much, how well the guy, like it, it really completes the music. Um, so is there a reason that you guys chose to write in French? Yeah, it's it's Eng English, you know, Dave, Dave's English. You know, he wrote half of Dazen in English, half in French, and his English was very, very broken. Um, and compared to his French lyrics, and I was like, dude, there's like a significant um, difference in like uh, cohesiveness between the French and English lyrics. So might as well just write mm. all French. It's going to be much more cohesive and the ideas will flow better. And, and it'll be more natural when he's trying to say things. 
Oh yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, it's Romani language, so it's some people are surprised when they learn about that because it's always assumed that Canada's you know is, is speaks English, but not Quebec, you know. So when- yeah, and it's interesting too because um, like you'll have bands from all across the world. Some of them will sing in their native tongue, and then others will sing in English. So it's interesting to see the dynamic. Yeah, I, and one thing I, I want to say too, um, when it comes to, it, it does have its charm, you know, having growls in French. It adds a really, in my opinion, a, a unique touch to the vocals, and it's not for everyone, obviously, because people are. I guess used to hearing death metal vocals in English. Some people can make can can cannot hear the difference, and that's totally fair. You know, that's like most uh, of my friends. They're like, it's just screaming. Yeah, so you can exactly. understand it sometimes. But if you compared, like obvious, like you compared the the vocals on the Afterthought Ecstasy versus now, and his tone hasn't changed that much. It's just, mm-hmm. but it sounds very different just because the, the pronunciation of the words in French makes makes it like it's completely different in a way. So it's, it has an influence on the tone, um, like the, the, the sound of, of his voice, you know, when he said mm-hmm. he, he sings and, and I think, well, at the end of the day, like I said, it's all about creating something that feels natural, you know, so it definitely sounds more authentic from my uh, from my perspective. It's yeah, and it's when it comes to expressing ideas. Um, like I said, it's 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 much better if it's done in in, in language he's comfortable with because in English, you, you like the lyrics he had, you you kind of have a grasp of what's going on, but it it's very unclear. Uh, unless you change around some some words here and here and correct like the syntax and the grammar and everything it's we kind of it would have been a lot of unnecessary work you know and in french it's like the way you wrote the right he writes to it's all it all rhymes you know it's 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 very it's like poems you know so it's mm-hmm. something in, in english we couldn't really achieve un- unless it was really forced, you know? So that's, and you never that. want the music to sound forced. I mean, you touched on that earlier. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm, um, I'm just glad we did that, you know, even if it potentially closes doors for us, I mean, it's better to just um, stay true to ourselves in that regard, you know? Well, people are going to like it if you put out good music and if they don't, it's not for them. Yeah, Exactly. Um, one thing I was reading earlier, uh, you don't necessarily like to consider first fragment, uh, technical death metal. So why is that? And what would you consider it? I mean, not anymore because Dazain and the afterthought ecstasy, they're tech that records, neoclassical tech that records, even it's just with first fragment, it's, you don't like if you remove the vocals, you know, especially when people will hear the in, like the instrumental version of the, the the album, they'll hear it. It's for me, it doesn't. It's all a matter of opinion, of course, but for me, it doesn't 
sound like death metal, you know, aside yeah. from Lazarus and Growls, because the riffs are very epic and, and bright sounding, and uh, the arrangements, you know, they stem from neoclassical power metal. Mm-hmm. Like the way I write is, is, is basically, you know, I take a, a chord progression, you know, some, some, sometimes a, a chord progression of taken from, uh, you know, classical music or inspired, but, you know, I've, I have my, 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 the, the bands that inspired me, um, almost none of them are, are death metal because I kind of listen to, I look for very simple chord progressions and I just write around this chord progression and also when it comes to the structure of the songs and a lot a lot of death metal is very you know the song from point a to point b is going to be completely different it's more like a narrative uh, song structure a lot of these death metal bands have that and it's it, it works fantastic you know it's like all the riffs it's a continuous onslaught of riffs with a few repetitions mm-hmm. um and for me, I wanted to have songs that almost have a, a direct structure comparable to uh, um, classical music or power metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have songs like Inel, which is constructed like a classical song with like six movements. And you have a song like Pentium, which is intro, verse, then there's a the little pre-chorus bridge and there's a chorus, then verse, chorus, bridge solo chorus bridge you know there's like a, a riff that comes back three times the lyrics repeats three times so it's it's almost not very death metal to do that if you compare it to a band like um you know a morbid angel or demolage it's, <laughs> it's like not even not even the same ballpark it's just so that's just the structure, like I said, alone. But if you t- we're talking about purely like the sounds, obviously it's just first Ragnarok music is not well. The new the new stuff is not dark or or menace, menacing or, or or brutal, and we're not. That's not a purpose of the music. It works for great for certain bands, but for us, it's creating like a complex song but with the catchiness of a power metal song with some grooves in it so i just don't think that metal is accurate is all you know it's beyond the blast beats and growls like i said yeah for me that's why i think term like i said it's all a matter of, of, of opinion i just think if we're gonna talk about the specifics of of, of genres i think extreme neoclassical metal, neoclassical metal is more accurate and you know people will say well yeah well bands like uh necrophages are you know that's technically that well i'd say i I will say i disagree because necrophages actually has more death metal than us in our in their in the riffs and the riffs actually have a like i said a death metal root and if you compare that to a song like inel inel is literally three contrapoints going all at the same time there's no evilness or darkness or that metal aspect to it it's like it's like taking an elegy song or a cacophony song but multiplying the notes and adding blast beats on it so for me it's not that metal but it's fine it doesn't mean i'm turning away from that metal it doesn't mean no. i hate that metal. 
I love that metal. It's just for this band, it's just, this is what we do, you know? And people will still say like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's always been the style we've been, um, like associated with and our, mm-hmm. our, our last two records that were hundred percent tech that bands and this one is just it's just it's structured different it's produced differently um the the melodies are constructed a little differently and to the point that i don't feel like that metal is necessarily accurate anymore so that's and it's funny you mentioned that because i i didn't mention that in a in an interview uh, with a, a Japanese site and, you know, they, they, they agreed with me and a lot of people will agree with us. And there's a site, um, they, they had like a podcast or something and they kind of decided to like, they were interested in that particular bit about, so the interview asked me, they were saying, yeah, our spire and first fragment are very different. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was really, and, but people still compared the two records, I guess, because it was really the same day. What do you think about that? Oh, okay. And yeah. I, yeah. And, I, and I said, you know what? I totally agree. Both bands are very different. Here's why. Mm-hmm. And at one point I said, well, our square, I have a more brutal sound to us. They're more, much more brutal than first fragment. They're more death metal. And the guys in the podcast, I don't know why, but they kind of, they kind of, I guess misunderstood what I was saying. They, they thought I was. They kind of. I felt like they kind of twisted some of my words. They kind of made me sound like I was saying we're better than Oxpire, and it's like no, no, Oxpire, Oxpire is the, the the most pro band you ever heard in that style. They're more. They're the the the, the, the they're they're big for a reason. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're crazy crazy events out there. I'm just outlining the fact that we don't sound alike aside from fast drumming <laughs> it's interesting they would pick up they on pick, that they're like, of... they were picking apart my statement and just kind of yeah. twisting my words and i wrote to them i was like listen guys i think you twisted some of my words you, you want to have maybe a conversation about that it would be cool to have a, a little um a, a debate on like a friendly debate on on musical on music it would be a cool mm-hmm. idea for podcast but you know maybe they'll they'll write back to me at one point but it was it was weird to see that people took that personally it's like no it's just in my opinion first fragment is just not dark or brutal it's just very intense music but underneath it's like almost power metal and you know, classical metal and that's that's our new sound i guess and it's the natural well it's a new sound for me it's like a more natural progression that's first fragment always was always destined to be to to become more more eclectic more intense and so I want well, that's, yeah, that's part know. of the beauty of metal is like they're you're bringing in not just you, but like so many different bands are bringing in sounds from other genres of music. And I don't I don't know that I think part of the beauty and the detriment of metal is that there are so many subgenres and it's getting harder and harder to classify what sound is what. And I think we just have to agree that it's metal and it kicks ass. <laughs> I, I, I think I do think that mentality is, is very good. Um, because it becomes a headache at one point. Mm-hmm. It, it's good to know what you're listening to, and you know if people is looking for, you, you, you have somebody ask, you know, telling you I really like this band, I would like to find bands similar. You know, so if somebody is into suffocation, I'm not gonna 
recommend them to listen to Nightwish, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not bashing any of the bands. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, but uh, I do think, you know, it's for nerds like like me. It's like I, I like, um, I like the terminology of, of saying, look, we're we're just a neoclassical metal band with blast beats. But like I said, you know, uh, we're we've been um associated with tech that so if somebody tells me yeah i, I really like your, your music it's great tech that i'm gonna like fuck yeah i'm not gonna tell them no we're not tech that we're extremely classical like i don't care enough at this yeah. point you know? as long as they're <laughs> listening who gives a shit yeah ex exactly dude. That's <laughs> the most important part you know it's that's in the end dude that's all that matters really exactly so it's just i like to nerd out uh, as 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 much as I can, but at, at the end of the day, it's you know I have <laughs> it's not a, it's not a big deal. It's 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 metal. It's like you know, there's a little bit in it for everyone, and I'm not gonna um I'm not gonna go crazy about that kind of stuff, you know. It's just I I don't have energy for that. <laughs> no, and there's too much that yeah. people get pissed off about already. Why add something oh, else? Yeah, dude, something so minor. It's ridiculous. I know, I know. So, yeah, you're totally right, man. It's, <laughs> it's life's too short for that, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to cover today, Phil? Um, on top of my head. Not much. Uh, I, I do want to say, um, you know, even though f First Fragment, our new record, we kind of, it's 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 kind of a niche record, like a lot of people said, um, because I, I people, a lot of people still see that, that distinction we made with our sound, you know, uh, on this new record. And even though, um, it's such a an, it's a niche record. I do think um, it's going to open opportunities for us, um, and with these opportunities, I hope that we can uh, uh, tour a lot more than we did before. You know, with with Design, we didn't have that many offers. Uh, with this new record, I, I do I do hope we'll have. Um, um, as many offers as we can to, uh, to play, uh, and uh, one of the, one of the things about this record is that I do think it will give give us offers to play um, and tour with, with bands and a lot of tech that bands, but other styles of, of metal as well. I, I hope that happens. Um, so on that note, I will say that you know we're preparing for shows right now. We're going to be doing uh, two shows in, in in Quebec and Montreal. At the end of April, we haven't announced yet, but I'm just gonna, you know, say it for the for the podcast. Um, and after that, you know, we're gonna be looking for uh, shows in in Europe and eventually uh, the U.S. Um, aside from that, um, I'm writing music for two bands: Crestfallen, Dicemarian. Those two bands uh, taking most more most of my. Um, time when it comes to writing music both are um so that's Samarian is power metal uh, crestfallen is epic doom metal um two bands are very excited to work on i've um joined a new band from the us as well um, i'm not at liberty to say right now but i think 
uh, people who have been paying attention to what's going on in the debt slash doom metal world will probably really like this hmm. this, this band. Speaking of doom metal, um, uh, I was really stoked by how the a tremendous record was released last year, and um, it does give me hope that I'll be able to come up with a, a worthy successor to that record. Um, I do I do hope to start uh, writing music for that band, Atramentus, next year along alongside Catalyst. Uh, two bands uh, I, I do think deserve a, a proper follow-up. And aside from that, um, if anyone wants to keep tabs on what I'm doing, uh, well, my, I started a new label called Production TSO, TSO Productions. Uh, so that's a label that uh, distributes stuff from all my bands and also bands that I really like from other people who I uh, collaborate with. So keeping tabs of, of, of what's going on through that label is a good way. Otherwise, if people want to reach out for, for guest solos or guitar guitar lessons, my website, filtuga.ca, is the best way to do it. Um, and... Uh, Otherwise, be on the lookout for new uh, releases by Avoid Ceremony, Finibrarum, and Cosmic Atrophy. I'm hoping all these three bands will release uh, stuff all in 2022. Phil, it was awesome to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for inviting me. Um, Anytime. Thanks for being <laughs> thanks for being patient enough to <laughs> to talk to me. It's like oh, there's no patience needed. Trust me. <laughs> thanks, man. I really appreciate that. No problem. Take care. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.